0: Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet Infectious Diseases podcast. I'm Luke Worley and in this podcast I'll be talking to Ramanan Laxminarayan about his research article that explores the potential future burden of antibiotic resistance on antibiotic prophylaxis in the USA to be published on the 16th of October. Welcome Ramanan, can you give us your name and affiliation please?
1: My name is Ramanan Laxminarayan, I'm a director and senior fellow at the Centre for Disease Dynamics, Economics and Policy in Washington
0: DC. To begin with, could you please just outline the aims of your study?
1: Antibiotic resistance has been increasing all around the world and particularly in the United States. Although people think of antibiotics as being useful for treating infectious diseases, a major use of antibiotics also as prophylaxis, in other words to prevent infections when one is carrying out a surgery, organ transplant, or cancer chemotherapy. Now, if the effectiveness of antibiotics in treating bacterial infections goes down, one might also expect that their effectiveness as prophylaxis would also decline. In this paper, what we wanted to do was to estimate the incremental number of infections and deaths that would occur as a result of increased antimicrobial resistance.
0: Over the past couple of years, the urgent need to tackle antibiotic resistance has gained prominence. But much of the discussion has revolved around the availability of antibiotics for reactive use rather than their use as actual prophylaxis. Do you have any thoughts on why this might be?
1: Well, it's natural that one would focus on reactive use, which is to treat infectious diseases as really being the major focus, because that's where clinicians most frequently encounter the problem of resistance. They see a patient with a bacterial infection who doesn't respond to antibiotics, and the susceptibility tests show that the antibiotics are probably not working on the specific strains of bacteria. There hasn't been as much work on the prophylactic use because uh, there hasn't been very, very much of an assessment of prophylactic use and how that varies with resistance. First of all, it's quite hard to do in an experimental design. That's why we have to resort to modelling types of studies of the kind that we've carried out that's been published today.
0: Given the inherent risks of failure of prophylaxis, it's surprising that there hasn't been a previous assessment of these risks. Were there many barriers to deriving your estimates?
1: Yes, there was a major barrier to deriving our estimates, which is a preferred way to have done it would have been to to have done this with with a randomized trial or a study design of that sort, where we have resistant pathogens in some folks versus not in others, and then we look at surgical outcomes. Now, a study like that would obviously be unethical to carry out, which is why we had to resort to modeling. Now, fortunately, there are a number of published studies, certainly far more than I had expected, which look at the effect of antibiotic prophylaxis on surgical outcomes and infections and that has helped us carry out this study which gives us a fairly reasonable uh, set of estimates on uh, the potential impact of antimicrobial resistance on surgical outcomes.
0: You assess a range of scenarios of reduced antibiotic efficacy. Which scenario in your view is most likely in the near future?
1: That's very hard to tell. In the U.S., there are probably about 150,000 surgical site infections. That's quite a few, and each of those is about a 3% uh, mortality rate for these. And if uh, a patient having an infection is about 2 to 11 times uh, more likely to die than someone who does not. Now, in our baseline, we have about 40 to 60% of pathogens that cause surgical site infections uh, and about 26% of the pathogens that cause infections after chemotherapy, are already resistant to the standard prophylactic antibiotics. So it is not hard to imagine that a 10 to 30% decline in efficacy in the near future, maybe 5 to 10 years, would be improbable. In fact, it's probably quite likely at the rate to which resistance has been increasing. I'm not sure we would necessarily hit the 70 or the 100% range in, in the immediate term, and one would also expect that new antibiotics would come into play which would give us better outcomes for surgical prophylaxis. But I would say that the, the bottom to the 10 to the 30% scenarios are probably the most likely of the ones that we've estimated.
0: In your discussion, you highlight the need to revise current prophylactic regimens. Can this be done easily with current drugs, do you think? Or will this rely on the emergence of new antibiotics? I
1: think a certain amount of prophylactic change, uh, antibiotics are changed in response to resistance. However, a major barrier is, the availability of localized susceptibility data, which could tell us whether those antibiotics are likely to work in that particular region or hospital. And for that, what we really need is better surveillance. Now, certainly as resistance goes up across the board to all antibiotics, then we have to replace these with new antibiotics, and that's that's certainly a challenge. But I think a lot could be done right away by picking the appropriate antibiotic based on uh, very localised uh, uh, surveillance and uh, antibiogram profiles.
0: You also mentioned that the lack of prophylaxis might reduce availability of some of the interventions that you assessed and hence lead to additional morbidity and mortality. Although I guess it's likely nearly impossible to estimate, do you have a sense of the likely scale of this impact?
1: That's precisely what we estimate in, in this paper, the likely scale of the impact of reduced efficacy of, uh, of prophylaxis And what we estimate is that at the 30% range, which is a likely scenario, as I mentioned, at the efficacy of uh, antibiotic prophylaxis, we could expect to see about 120,000 additional surgical site infections and infections after chemotherapy every year in the U.S. That's a pretty wide range from about 40,000 to about 280,000, but I think our midpoint is about 120,000. And we would expect about uh, 6,000-odd infection-related deaths each year. As this baseline. 6,000 deaths uh, is, is quite a large number when you consider that these are infections that are as, an, as a side effect of undergoing a surgery. But what is more subtle and difficult to quantify is the fact that the higher risk of infection and of mortality could influence decision-making on the part of patients on whether they want to go through uh, you know, something like a hip replacement or a knee replacement, you know, based on, on what the risks are, which could mean that some patients at least would choose not to go through these procedures and will live lives without the benefit of, of these interventions. I think the real takeaway here is that modern medicine and a lot of surgery depends on effective antibiotics. And if you take away the effective antibiotics, then we have to give up much of the gains of modern medicine.
0: Finally, where does the research community go now? Is it just a case of awaiting new drugs, or will optimising current drug use yield benefits?
1: I think there are three things that could happen. The first is certainly optimising current drug use to fit with uh, local resistance profiles. The second is uh, the potential to reduce antibiotic resistance across the board uh, through better infection control and by better use of antibiotics. Many countries have shown that this is possible inpatient setting and you know countries like France and the UK have shown remarkable declines in inpatient uh, resistance as a result